I want to jump right into God's word today. And as we do that, I want to um, just set this message up for just a moment with you. If you have your Bibles, did you open up with me to Matthew chapter 25? You know, of all the messages that we've shared in this series, I really believe this one is so all-encompassing. It reaches out and touches every part of our lives. And I believe it has a way, if we would apply what God's word wants to tell us today, to lead us into 2019 and beyond uh, in a way that might change everything for us and for those around us. I had a moment in time this week where, um, well, it wasn't even this week. It, I was reminded of it this week, but it was a little while ago. Um, on this Tuesday night, this last Tuesday, we kicked off Symbus, which was the first time we've ever run it. Um, it is saving your marriage before it starts. And would someone praise God with me that we have five couples that are getting ready to get married that are going through this? They're saying we want our marriage to be healthy and strong. And we, I heard things like we want God to be at the center of our marriage and our relationship. And as we're walking through it, I just can feel that God's going to do something really special. Because I really know what, what we're starting in just a few weeks, what we're going to be doing is investing in a foundation that's meant to last a lifetime. And my prayer is that for some of them, one day when their kids look back, they'll see that godly marriage, and then they're going to want to have one. You see it? And it can change generations just by decisions that we make. Do you know the decisions you make today can have generations worth of influence and connection? I had this surreal moment, and it, it took my breath away and overwhelmed me. I was watching these videos to get um, as a part of the training to become certified to, uh, to kind of run this class and go through and be able to administer the assessment that we're doing in the class. And as a part of it, there was a different video that showed couples going through premarital counseling. And so one of the couples we kind of followed through, it was a, a, a young guy and, and, and a young girl, and they were going through, and they, they were great. They loved the Lord. But, but as you're watching, they're unpackaging some of their baggage and some different things that are going on and how they're you know, there could be good and there could be some challenges they're walking into in marriage. And as I looked at this young girl, I had this surreal moment that I said, in, in like a couple decades, my daughter is going to be sitting in a seat just like this talking to someone, getting ready to marry a godly man. And, and, and she had the dark hair just like my daughter Lily did. And it was just, I just started crying watching this video. And here's why. I realized because this girl was talking about some things that were good and some things that were challenges that she saw and witnessed from her parents growing up that she was now about to carry into her marriage. And I thought, Lord, help me. What's happening as I raise my child one day she's going to be sitting in that very place. And I believe I'm going to be accountable for what it is that she's unpackaging and getting ready and preparing for. Are you with me, church? Because I, I know this, that when I entered into marriage, I had a lot of things that I was working through because of what I had seen and experienced in my own life, my own surroundings, my own context. And that moment just did something to me. There are moments of clarity that we need, uh, moments of sobriety, moments when we can step back and see the big picture. Someone say, big picture with me. Because we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day busyness, don't we? But man, God just impressed something in my heart. And I really believe he was showing me something to share with you about this message. I really believe it's setting up what we're going to be talking about today in God's word. I believe if we prepare our hearts and receive what God wants to say to us today, that he's going to, he's going to do something with this message. Because that moment, what I realized is that I will one day, I believe, be held accountable for how I raise my daughter, for how I raise my son, for how I treat my spouse, for how I, for how, how I lived my life. 
And I realized in that moment that I am a steward of so much in my life. And, and I want to unpackage that idea with you just a little bit further, but I had that moment of clarity, and I had another very sobering moment of clarity when I opened God's word to this passage of scripture, and I read the passages around it, and I realized one day, not only will I stand before my daughter as she's at an altar uh, and getting ready to walk into life together, and I'll feel the weight of those decisions and how they've shaped that moment for her, one day I will stand before the God of all creation, the Bible says, and I will give an account for my life. And there are a few things that you could hear that the Bible talks about. There are two things in particular on that day. There could be other things that are said, but there are two that the Bible really record clearly. Some will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And some will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And to just take that in for a moment and to realize at some point in my life, what I do today matters. Look to your neighbor and say, it matters. It matters more than we could ever imagine. And we get so busy and we are so good at devaluing the things that God finds as so valuable. And I want you to know today, your life was not an accident. Some of you have been living, I, I didn't say this in first time, I sense it so strong. Some of you are living your life and because someone told you you were an accident, you weren't even, you know, whatever the case was, that you have lived your life as though you're an accident and God has no purpose to you. I promise you, someone else may not have known but the God of all creation knows your name. He knows your story. You're not an accident. God has divine purpose for your life. He has a plan for you that's bigger than you could ever imagine. I just sense that. I, 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 was, in, I was preaching a couple weeks ago, and I felt when I said that you were made for more, God has a plan for your life, I could sense there were just pockets of people that it was just, it was just echoing off you as if the world or the enemy has created such a shell around you that you truly do not believe it. But I want you to know this. Your life was marked for something. God, the God of all creation, has a plan for you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how much baggage you carry along. He has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to walk in it more than anything else. And here's what I believe. And, and I, I would try not to scare you with this, but I don't think I can because it's a scary thought. One day you're going to stand before God. You're going to give an account for your life. And I just have to ask myself, what do I want to hear on that day? Because here's what I believe. He won't care about how many hours I spent at work. He won't care about how many great things that I accomplished for this world or for some company or whatever the case is. There's so many things I think are so valuable in this life that I really believe when I stand in front of him, I can bring all those things and put them before him and say, no, here's what I want to talk about. And he's going to put his finger on a few things. He say, what did you do about that? And I hope that I'll have something to show for that. Are you with me? We are stewards of the life that God has given us. And I want to just talk about that. And I want to talk about what that looks like today. I want us to feel the weight of that as we go to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to read to you a passage of scripture. It's one that we've, we've talked about before, but I, I believe God's going to give us some new insight, um, particularly for this season that we're in right now. But let me begin reading to you from verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man who is going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Don't miss that. He then left on his trip. 
The servant that received five bags of silver began to invest money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went and he earned two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, someone say a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they used his money. Don't miss that. Because I think they could have had it for so long they started to think it was theirs. How they used his money. The servant who'd been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward and said, with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. Master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At, last, at least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered them, take the money from this servant, give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. This is, this is such a heart-gripping story. This is so grabbed a hold of my heart because Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven, one day we would look forward to something very similar to this that we will stand before a God who is very holy, very righteous, very loving, but we will stand before him. And Jesus said that he came, he 2,000 years ago, he died for our sins. He then, 50 days later, he ascended to heaven, 40 days later, ascended to heaven, and he said, one day I'm coming back. You know what we're living in? We're living in the gap between when Jesus came for the first time and when he's returning again. And I want you to know, today we're one day closer to when Jesus is coming back. I could tell you that with certainty. And tomorrow we're another day closer. We're closer than we've ever been to the return of Jesus. And one day he'll come back. And he says, this is what it's going to kind of be like. There's going to be an accounting for how you used the time, how you stewarded your life, and what you did with what I gave you. And so this is what we're going to talk about today, because this is a whole picture of stewardship. And I want to unpackage this with you and help you to understand what this looks like, because in the story, in this parable, there are three things at work that really create this idea of stewardship. We're going to talk about what it means to stretch in stewardship, the stewardship of our lives. There are three areas, three things we've been entrusted with in this life. In the first one, it says that there was an appointed time and he went away for a long time. There was a period of time that was determined by the master that he was away. This appointed period of time was determined by him, not by the people that was given to. And so we have time. We have talent. It says they were given according to their abilities. And there was treasure. There was actual resource that was entrusted to them. These three make up this idea of stewardship that we're going to unpackage today. But I have to ask you this one question before we go any further, because if you don't answer this question for yourself, none of the rest of this message is going to make any sense. 
Here's the question. Are you ready for it? Am I a steward or am I an owner? That's the question you have to answer about your life. You have to say, when it comes to my life, because we like to say my life, right? It's my life. It's my choices. It's my, my whatever. Am I a steward of my life or am I an owner of my life? Because here's what I believe. The Bible teaches that when I was still in my mother's womb, before I was even a thought, the Lord knit me together. So God is the author of life. He's my creator. He's the one who created me. And there was a long period of time that I lived apart from him, not even acknowledging him. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in him at all. And I really operated my life like an owner. Like I make my own decisions. I live for myself. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. If I make the wrong choices, this is my life. I had an owner's mentality. But when I came into a relationship with Jesus, whenever my sins were forgiven, I made a decision at that time. I took that broken, messed up life, and I said, I'm done with it. I give it to you, Lord. I give you my old life. And the Bible says, is anyone that does that and comes to Jesus and turns to him and asks him to forgive them of their sins and commits their life to follow him, they become a new creation. And so here's what I now believe wholeheartedly because God's word teaches, my life is no longer my own. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Jesus. That old Chris, he's dead. He's not even here anymore. I live a new life and I live it in faith to Jesus, following him. And I believe that with all my heart that my life is now hidden together with God in Christ. So what that means is that my life isn't my own. I don't own my life. My life belongs to him. Do you believe that? Because if you said yes to Jesus, that's what it was about. It wasn't just about a prayer. It was about saying, Lord, my life isn't my own, Lord. You're, you're, you are my life. I, I want to follow you all the days of my life. And so when you're a steward, you have to think differently than when you're an owner. Do you say, God, if I have breath in my lungs today, have you ever thought of it this way? If you wake up today and you're just alive, that you would turn and say, thank you, Lord, you've given me another day. Some of you, you got up there in years and you're like, yes, pastor, I do pray that prayer every single day because I know, I know that my life is very fragile, but let me hear about the 20-year-old that's praying that prayer every day. Let me hear about the person that hasn't walked through some kind of terrible, maybe fatal illness that you're getting up and just thanking God that you get another moment on this earth. Oh, you start praying like that? You start recognizing that? That the very time you have is a gift from God. That's one of the first things. If you're going to be a steward, you got to think about your time. The moments God has given you. What if you start to say that? Lord, not what am I doing with my week, but Lord, what am I doing with the moments you've given me on this earth? Because he's only given us an appointed period of time. Every one of our life, it's like a whisper. It's like a breath. It's just like here today and gone tomorrow. It's so short in the scheme of eternity. But God has ordained it that these very moments that we live in right now, that you would be alive in these moments and that you would have a purpose in the midst of them. He's given you this time. The word says over and over again, make the most of the time. Psalm 139, 16 said, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day came to pass. Some of us, we don't value our time. We don't even have a grasp of how valuable our time is. You know, I, I, I want you to understand this, that it, when it comes to these areas, that all, all of them are just vitally, vitally important. And, you know, whenever you think about that, you, you'll think about it in, in, in these terms of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And I want to give you a, a story that gripped me this last, uh, this, this last week. I saw it on social media. 
and there was a, a young boy, and he was, uh, he was waiting by the door for his dad to come home. His dad came home from work, and uh, the boy said, hey, hey dad, um, he said, yes, son. He said, how much money do you make an hour? He said, how much money do I make an hour? He's like, what, what is it? What does it matter? No, dad, just well, how much money do you make in an hour? He said, well, son, I make $50 an hour working. He said, can I borrow $25? Son, like, oh, okay, that sounds familiar. He said, what do you need $25? You want to go buy a game? No, no, go, go to your room. Just go get ready for bed. Not, I'm not giving you $25. So he dismisses his son. He's kind of aggravated, you know, this entitlement kind of thing going on with his son or whatever the case is. And so the father gets pretty frustrated. Then he starts thinking, oh, I didn't even ask what he wanted it for. He, maybe he wanted it for something good. He needs something for school, whatever the case is. So he's, he's feeling bad. The dad goes and gets $25. He goes by the door. It's bedtime for his son. He comes in, son, are you there? Yes, dad. He comes in. He says, look, I know I was a little harsh with you earlier. Um, you asked for the $25 here. I have it. And, you know, you could have it. Oh, thanks, Dad. And he goes into his pillow and reaches into his pillowcase and he starts pulling dollar bills out of the pillowcase. So now the dad's thinking, what? He already had money. What is it? Like, what is he doing, you know? And he counts it all out. And he, he says, okay, here it is, $50. I want to buy an hour of your time, Dad. Can you come home early from work tomorrow so we could be together? <laughs> it, it hits you, Right? Some of us are like, my, my kid didn't say that, but, but they probably should have at some point in time, right? We felt that. But sometimes we miss it. We miss how valuable our time is. We, we miss how, what it looks like to actually prioritize our time. What it means to make the most of it. And here's what I realize about every single one of us. And I was very convicted by this this week as I shared this word because I, I felt the Lord say something very specific to me. Because as I, I don't get this all the time, but sometimes as I pray for the message, I feel as though as I'm praying, I can feel the heart of those that are hearing the message in a sense, how, how a response could be. Does that make sense? And as I was praying and as I was feeling, here's what I felt. What we're going to talk about today in the stewardship of our lives, that there will be many moments in the message today that you're going to feel like, I, I want to do that, but I don't know how. I feel it's impossible. Pastor Marsha had that word impossible. That was the very word I was feeling. I don't know how it's going to happen. And that's why for this message in particular, I wanted to be able to provide you with as many resources as possible to help you. If you say, God, you're putting your finger on that. I'm not going to say it's impossible anymore. Lord, I want, I want to grow in that area. I want, I want to do this. And so with that being said, I do want you to do me a quick favor. We're going to do this earlier than we normally do. If you'll reach at the end of your row, there's a black basket that has these cards in it. I want you to just take a moment right now. If you could just pass that down, make sure everyone gets one. Um, because we got a few areas that we're going to be talking about today. And as you feel a, a tug in your heart that you need to respond um, at any point as you're following along, you can just begin to to fill this out and check off things as I talk about them. I'm going to mention a few different things in some different areas. And, and then at the end, we're going to collect them all. And as we do that, um, anything you avail yourself to, anything you say, yes, I want to do that. I want to grow in that area. We're going to help you in any way that we can. Uh, we're here to help you because we want to see the more that God has for you in your life. We want to see that as God is putting his finger on certain areas and wanting to stretch you and grow you and develop you, that you're equipped in any way possible to be able to do that well. And so does everyone have one? If you don't have one, just feel free to look at the person next to you, say, hey, grab me one, or put your hand up and usher can help you. But we have this card right here, right? 
So we have that card, and I want you just to take a look at that right now, and just as you look down, you're going to see um, it's a commitment today that we don't bury our talent. We believe in this so much, what I'm talking to you about today, that we made it one of our values as a church. We want to be good stewards of everything God has given us. And the first one is in the moments God has given me. And you'll say, I, and you put your first name in there, I commit to not burying my time, my talent, and my treasure in 2019 by, and there's some different responses today. So we're going to start to unpackage these right now. That very one that I just talked to you about, that example of that son. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I've stood there. I've, I felt that weight. I felt that guilt. I felt that, that, that I feel that I need more time. I feel like my time is so exhausted and I'm so tired. I'm not prioritizing and able to focus on the things that are most important with the moments God has given me. Here's what I'll tell you, that every single one of us, we make different amounts of money. There's different, uh, there are different talents and skills we have, but we all have 168 hours this week. We all have 24 hours in this day. None of us can buy more time. We can't get any extra. We can't make any week any longer, any shorter. This is this fixed idea, and every one of us have a destined, uh, by, by the Lord, we have an appointed period of time that he'll put us on this earth and make us able to do the things that he has for us to do. How are we doing with the moments God has given us. And I think that for many, here's what you'll find, is that you would say, some in this room, how many would say that your relationship with God is the most important relationship in your life? Lift your hand up. There's a lot of hands going up around here. You can put your hands down. I will not ask you to lift your hand for this next one. But here's what I'll tell you. Many that have raised our hands and said it's the most important relationship, we are spending near to zero hours time with God daily, spending time with him. It's just not there. We'll say, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Life gets busy. Many would say, and I won't ask you to raise your hands, but you'd say the next most important relationship is with your spouse or with your family. And you'll find that time being sucked away for things. Here's what I realize when it comes to time. Sometimes when we go down the list of the things that are kind of least important and don't necessarily matter for eternity, have as much significance, a lot of our time is spent in those areas. And you could say, yes, some of you are saying, well, pastor, you're preaching. You're preaching the person right next to me right now. Don't worry about that. You got to look between you and the Lord right now. But you have to look and you have to really think, how am I spending my time? And for some of us, we can live in denial unless we get the data in front of us. And so on this card, one of the first things that I want to share with you is a resource that I give to couples whenever we're doing premarital counseling, and it's called a time budget. And I think it's just an amazing and powerful tool. It helps you. Maybe you've done something like that before. Maybe you never have. I mentioned it in a previous series. But you literally go through the 168 hours you have this week, and you're going to figure out what you used your time for. How much time did I sleep? How much time did I eat? How much time did I watch television? How much time did I work? How much time did I spend with God at church, with my family? Whatever it is, you just create an accounting of it. And you do that for a week or two. You then take a look at it, and you say, how do I feel about that? You know, we're gonna, many of us are going to say, when you, if you've never done this before, I don't like how I feel about that. No, this is out of whack. This isn't as it should be. So then what you do is you look in the other column, and the other column on that same sheet, it'll show you where, it sh where you want it to be, where you desire for it to be, and you start putting those things in there, and you say, all right, I want to put more time towards this, less time towards that, and you do that, and then on the far end, it says, how am I going to get there? And you could write some different ways that are going to help you grow and get there. You know how powerful that exercise is in your life? You're reprioritizing what's most important. Are you with me? 
with your time. So if you check that off, then we're going to send you a time budget template worksheet and help you work through that and um, do anything we can. For some of you, you want to spend more time in God, with God and in community. And so we put a few things here, you know, stretching in, in community and small groups. That's a great way for you to make more time for your relationship with God, for your relationship with others and in church and in your faith growing. Um, so maybe it's leading or attending a small group. You could check that off. Being a part of our Wednesday night prayer meeting, making time for that. I could see so many want to, but, you know, time gets so away from you. What would it look like? Or if there's something else God's been speaking to you about attending or getting more involved, then you could check any of those off um, if that's on your heart. The question you're answering when it comes to the stewardship of your time is how am I doing with the moments God has given me? Am I making the most? Are they prioritized towards the right things? Because that's all a part of stewardship. It's all a part of the accounting that one day we'll give before the Lord. And, and it's something that God wants to make more of and he wants to enrich and he wants to bless and grow. Are you with me still, church? The second area is our talent. And whenever the word talks about the parable of the talents, it's literally a measurement of weight. But when you think of talent nowadays, we understand it as giftedness, of skills, as abilities. So when we talk about talent, the question is, how am I doing with the gifts God has given me? God has given you certain giftedness, abilities, special abilities that are unique to who you are, and no one like you has them. And you can do things, and you're put here to do things that only God knows and only God has destined for you to do. And whenever you think of that, you're thinking of your talents, the very giftedness that God had given to you. When you look at chapter 25 of Matthew's gospel, verse 15, it said, they had five bags of silver, two or one, based on their ability. This is what we have to realize when it comes to stewardship. Because if the one who had five bags came back with two, then he would not have heard the same words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because the master would have said, I knew your ability. I knew the giftedness you had. So what you've come back here with is less than. I know it's more than the other guy, but it's less than what you're capable of. You're made for more than that. Are you with me? Some of us, man, we are, we are, we are five-bag people, five-bag Christians living with a one-bag mindset, burying the very talent God had. Do you know how much more grieved the master would have been if the person that had been entrusted with five bags buried them? He said, you are capable of so much more, and you buried it. And I just felt that as I was praying this week, oh God, you've so gifted your body. You've made us so unique, and, and my heart just hurt for those that you, God has so gifted you. He has so much he wants to do in you and through you, but you've buried that talent in the world somewhere. You've buried it somewhere, and you've just not made yourself available to God to use. He has more. He's made you for more than that. It doesn't matter how impressed everyone else is. You want to know at the end of your life, God, have I done my best for you with what you have entrusted me with? That's the question you want to answer. How am I doing with what God has given me? And I want you to know, as a part of the body of Christ, as a part of the church family as a whole, God wants to utilize your giftedness. He wants to use you and grow you and stretch you and help you and bless you. And man, I just see how God uses people and their lives just become transformed by serving and getting involved and using the very giftedness for his purposes. But I promise you, it doesn't have to even be within the walls of this church. If you begin to realize God has called you to something, wherever it might be, step into it, obey him and watch what God does. So as you look at this card here, one of the, the reasons for, for some of you say, yes, pastor, I want that. But number one, I don't know that I'm even gifted. I don't know that I have anything to offer God. 
That's why we created Growth Track. That's why Growth Track exists and it's going to launch next Sunday, is to help you discover that gifting. It's help you to discover how God has shaped you, how he's made you. And for many, just like our time, we don't sit back and spend time investing to say, let me get a clear picture and develop a plan for how I use my money, for how I use my time, for how I use the very giftedness God has given me, my abilities. And so that's what that's about. And so I want you to consider attending Growth Track. You can check off there and sign up, be a part of it. Make sure you let us know uh, which sessions you'll be attending with that email that we mentioned earlier. You could join a prayer team. You can continue to serve wherever it is that God has you serving, or you could be a part of one of our outreach teams. We have outreach teams for backpack outreaches and other things during the year. But one of my most uh, favorite things that we do as a church is this year in 2019, this is the spoiler alert for if you haven't heard, we're doing something we've done before called Service for Service later on this year where we literally step out of the walls of this church as a whole church and we serve our community with the love of Christ. You're going to get really excited if you don't know about that as you hear more about it. But if you want to be a part of serving God and, and just serving him out somewhere in some outreach capacity, you could check that off uh, as well. So again, we're asking the question, Lord, what am I doing with the time? What am I doing with the giftedness? Peter, 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Hear that, received. Some of you feel like your giftedness is a result of your own grit. Yes, that could be possible, but God's the one who truly gifts. He's the one that makes it possible. In more ways than you know, he's gifted you and helped you. And that comes to the final part here. My time, my talent, and now my treasure. What am I doing with the resources God has given me? For many of us, this can become a sensitive area because we can feel like, oh, no, no, what I have is a result of my hard work. No, no, what I have is a result of, of whatever. It's not the result of anything but myself, but here's what we believe wholeheartedly. God is the one who gave us life, and he is my provider. I want to tell you time and again, God has been the one who has provided for me. And I have to ask the stewardship question of my resources, of my finances, of what God has entrusted me. What am I doing with the resources God has given me? How am I doing with that? How do I, do I have a, a priority? Do I make sure that I, I live in such a way that I'm being good and faithful steward of that? And as we consider that and what that even looks like, we can begin to think about that and see, what am I doing to give back to God? What am I doing to make priorities in my life and being a good steward? I want you to know, some, it, it's, it, it, we're, whenever we look at our lives, we look at the wholeness of it. If we're completely upside down inside of our finances, everything's kind of falling apart. That can create an insurmountable amount of stress and anxiety. God doesn't desire for that to be the case in your life. You have to ask that question, Lord, how am I doing? And for some, I know this to be the case, that whenever we talk about things, like an offering every week, and we talk about things we're doing for missions or whatever the case is, there's some that would be among us, and your heart is this, I wish I could do more, or I wish I could do something, but I'm, I'm, I'm in such a dire situation. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm in an impossible circumstance. I think I'm drowning, whatever the case might be. And for you, it just feels so impossible. I, my heart was just, was just considering that and just feeling the weight of that as I was praying this week. And I thought, you know what, that's a key part that we want to provide you with resources and help to be able to overcome those challenges in any way that we can. And one of the best things that you can do when it comes to stewardship is you have to ask the question, am I doing a budget each month? 
And I'm not going to ask us to raise our hands, but most people do not live by a budget. And I want to just tell you really briefly, I tell this to couples as they're about to get married, here's the difference between having a budget and not having a budget. If you don't have a budget, you, your money tells you where it went. Have you ever had one of those things? You open up the credit card statement, look at the bank. Oh, that's where it went. Oh, that's where, okay. Oh, that's how much went over there. That's how, and, you, and, and you're just sitting there, and it's as if your money's saying, yep, I went over here, and I bought that, and I did this. And, I, and you're like, ah, you know, and you get so frustrated. The budget is this. You're telling your money where it's going. So no, 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 no. We're not, this is not a, a slush fund here. It's here and no further. So you get to the end of that line item, and you say, we've exhausted that amount that was in that line. No more. No more, no more. You get to the end of the month and you say, whoa, there's more than I thought. It's because you're living by a budget, you're living with some structure, and that's a part of stewardship. There's an accounting. It says an accounting over and over again. There's an accounting regularly of what's going in, what's going out, and where those things are going. In the same way as your time, when you look at your finances and you look at what you're spending and how you're using the resources God has given you, we'll often find that sometimes more than we're comfortable with and more than we would like to know is going towards things that are so low priority in our lives. And it's almost as if the devourer is coming. The Bible talks about the devourer, and it's just he's just waging war against it. And you feel like, man, there's never enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. Whenever people have gone through a process of saying, Lord, teach me your principles about finances, about resources, about what it means to be a good steward, they find that flip around completely. There are people in this room, you can attest to this. And so one of the things we want to challenge you to do, if you look on this, on this sheet right here, is... Commit yourself to a monthly budget, to a budget, to just filling it out even once and saying, let me just do a budget. We'll send you a worksheet to help you get that and even a few resources to help you get started on your own. But for some, you'd say, I don't get this. I grew up in a household or, or wherever. I don't have any concept of these things. I don't understand God's ways of finance. I don't understand biblical principles about stewardship and, and resources and finance. What we're going to do is over the next weeks and months, we're going to put a few things in front of you that will be a biblical finance class or course to help you get stronger in that area, to help you grow and learn and just develop principles of stewardship in your own life. And one of them is on the back here. It's one that I, my wife and I saw incredible fruitfulness from. It's called Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. It's a nine-week course. I think it was 11 weeks when we went through it. But it helps you to manage finances, to eliminate debt, to start saving, and to start getting everything turned around in the right direction. Again, we want to give you some resources to help you. So if you want to attend something like that, then fill out the card and say, I want to attend that. We'll make sure we send you information on that when the time's right. And the final part, and as Pastor Rick comes at this time, when it comes to how, what am I doing with what God has entrusted me with, we have to think of the stewardship of our lives, the stewardship of our resources, and we have to look at, Lord, what am I doing? The first question we ask is, Lord, am I giving back to you? Am I, am I giving to you? Am I trusting you in that way? What we find is in the same way that our time, we say God is the most important relationship in my life, but I don't seem to have any time for him. When it comes to our finances, it normally kind of falls in, in the same pattern. That, that is such a vital relationship, but everything else seems to be higher priority. And, and I feel like I just, I, I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to make this thing work together. And here's what I found is that God truly has honored his word time and time again, that when I've obeyed him and honored him, he's sustained me and cared for me. In first uh, service, I had someone walk up to me with a, with a word that they felt like the Lord had given them for, this, for us today. And they said, I, and they shared it. And I knew this was the exact moment that it was meant to be shared. 
And they said, I just sense so deeply the heart of Abraham who had to bring his son Isaac. If you know the story, it's found in the book of Genesis. And he had to, God said, I want you to take Isaac, the son of the promise. This son was so valuable to Abraham. It, it meant God fulfilling his promise. Abraham was fatherless. He couldn't have kids. And now he has a kid. He says, take Isaac and go and sacrifice him up on a mountain. And it's like, what? None of this makes any sense. How, how, you can just ask all the questions. But Abraham obeyed God. He trusted him. And he brought something that was so impossible, so, so difficult, so valuable. And he said, God, I'm just going to honor you and obey you right now. And here's what I've realized. That from obedience flows provision. From, and you just see it. This is one of the first moments you see it. That he says, all right, God, I lay it right before you. And he's ready. It's, it's done. And what he gets back, in that moment, he looks over and there's a ram stuck in the thicket. And God said, there it is. He said, I needed to see you had a heart that was obedient. And now I've provided back. The Bible says literally Abraham received his son back from the dead because he had already in his mind known, I've already laid him down. God has such a way that when you honor him and you obey him, he gives back. And he sustains you, he provides, and he, and he grows you to trust him more. Your faith deepens and develops as a result of it. And this is that area. So for some, you don't give regularly. And God's beginning to speak and put his finger on that area and say, begin to honor me in this area and watch what I do. But what God teaches in his word, it says in Malachi chapter 3, it says, don't withhold the tithe from me. And the tithe is a tenth. And what you'll see if you go into the Old Testament, and I've been reading it in, uh, in the first few books of the Bible and just refreshing on it, seeing how from the beginning God said, I need you to remember that I'm your provider, that I've given you everything. So when it, what you receive, I want you to come and take it and give a tenth to me. And then I provide for you and I'll sustain you. And so people got into this habit and say, okay, Lord, we bring you the tithe. We bring you the tithe. Then we bring it to you first, Lord. We just want to honor you first. It's an act of faith, first fruits giving. Before I even have the rest of the harvest, Lord, there could be frost or bugs or vermin come, but I'm going to give you the first and I just trust you're going to sustain me and care for me. And they saw the hand of God just blessing. And others that didn't, they saw the devourer come and they saw that it, there was never enough. It's, it's amazing you will learn, and people in this room will attest to it, that they have learned, they have been able to live with God's provision with 90 more than they ever could on 100% of what they had before without that. God just has a way of shaping it. It's, it's, it's his math, and his math doesn't add up, but, but he always provides and he's always faithful, and I've seen it in my own family. And so for some, you'd say, you know, this is an area that God has been convicting us in, and we're not doing that. We're not tithing. We haven't done that. And I want to tell you, first and foremost, number one, I don't know what anyone gives, so I, I, I don't, I don't uh, put myself in those details, and I'm very comfortable with that because it's between you and the Lord. But here's what I know. I've heard people have come to me and said, when I started doing this, God has honored it over and over and over and over again. And as a church, we see that. We see how God honors that, and we see how even as a church, when we set the right priorities, God honors that in this house. And so if you feel that God's beginning to stir your heart and saying, I don't know how, but Lord, I'm ready to trust you in this area. Because he says this in Malachi chapter 3, test me in this. He doesn't tell us to test him in any other area. Test me in this and see if I don't throw open the windows of heaven and pour out more than you can imagine. It's a principle that whenever we trust God, whenever we honor him, when we obey him. Because for some we can think. I heard someone tell the story. They, they used to throw a couple dollars in the offering. They felt like they were impressing God and God said, I want obedience, not sacrifice. I'm more, I'm more interested in obedience. And they realized that they, they needed to obey God in some things, and in, in their giving, God honored that. He honors those steps. 
So as we take those steps forward, God's going to begin to honor those steps of obedience that we take, and especially this area. And then for some, as you're doing that, but you're not yet even giving above and beyond that, what we have here is we have a tithe and then we have the offering. And the offering is for me and my wife. Every year we, we begin to pray and we say, God, above and beyond the tithe, you're a generous God and you invite us into that generosity. And we see how this generosity flows all throughout the scripture. We say, God, we want to meet you in that. And so we make it a decision that we're going to give above and beyond our tithe, and that goes to missions. That all goes right out the doors of this church, reaching our community, reaching around the world. And so we pray about that, and then we make that decision. So on this card, you can make that decision of giving regularly, committing to tithing, giving above and beyond that to support local and, and global missions. Wherever God's speaking to you and challenging you to stretch, would you trust him and take those steps forward? Here's what Jesus said. Here's the principle and package. Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. That sounds familiar. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will de determine the amount you get back. This, this principle, I want you to take it and you can say, yes, it, it applies here, but it applies in so many areas of your life. It applies to forgiveness. It applies to what God, whatever God pours into your life, as you pour it back to him, God pours it back. He redeems it. When he redeems it, he makes more of it. And what you find after is something more full and more fulfilling than you could ever imagine. So today I pray that you could hear that with that heart and you could begin to respond to what God's saying. So we're going to take a final moment. I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment. But I want you, before we go, to just prepare this. This will be our offering today at the end of this service. I'm going to invite the extras to come forward. I want you to fill that out. As you fill this out, the bottom part is for us. Just drop that in the offering. And whatever the Lord has put on your heart, say, Lord, this is my, this is my stewardship before you in 2019. I'm committing this to you. And I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward right now as you're filling that out. Just prepare that. Hopefully you've been writing on it as we've gone through the service. But let's just pray right now. Would you just take that card in your hand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord God, for the life that you've given us. We thank you for the breath, Lord God, that you've put in our lungs. We thank you that you've entrusted us and you've led us and you've guided us and you have provided for us. Lord, you've given us the moments. You've given us the gifts. You've given us the resources. And today, Lord God, we desire to stretch in stewardship. Lord, we want to be good stewards that hear well done, good and faithful servant. So Lord God, we ask you to speak to us in these areas. And as we take steps forward, Lord God, will we see your hand and your blessing and your provision follow us? Lord, would you redeem the time? Lord, would you make more out of us than we could ever imagine? And Lord, would you provide for your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As the ushers come, they're going to begin to collect those and pass that down. Just drop this part in that, uh, in that offering bag and uh, and yeah, we'll continue to be praying for you. I'm going to invite those that serve communion. If you're here, our team, if you'll come forward, we do have a prayer team that's available for you to pray with you if you need anything. Uh, if not, once you give that card, you're free to go. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday as we kick off our Made for More series and this Wednesday night as we kick off, I have our prayer meeting uh, here at 7 o'clock p.m. in this room. God bless you tonight.